Welcome to the English Out Loud podcast, a podcast where I give you tips on how you can enhance your spoken English. My name is Pat. I'm from Toronto, Canada. And uh, today is my 40th episode. Episode number 40 officially live. Well, today I brought on a buddy of mine, lives in uh, my apartment building here. Named Max. He's a good guy. Max is from Wisconsin. Uh, he's traveled all over Latin America, living in various places. And currently, he is living here in Monterrey, Mexico. Now, one thing that I found out about Max today is that Max plays a good game of chess. You see, I like playing chess. I play chess. Uh, maybe not daily. I Sometimes I'll play daily when I get into it. But I'll play chess at least a couple games a week. Well, this fellow Max. He and I played a handful of games of chess together today. And, uh, well, he caught me off my guard at first. He told me that he doesn't play all that much. I let my guard down. Turns out this guy plays, well, at least every now and then. Because uh, he knew what he was doing. He caught me off guard in the first game. Now before I get into this interview, I just want to give you a couple of English tips. The first thing, I said Max plays a good game of chess. Plays a good game. If he plays a good game, this is to say that he plays well. This is just an interesting way that Americans will say somebody does something well. Like suppose that somebody plays practically any game well. You can say they play a good game. So when it comes to any sport, any game, if you say somebody plays a good game, you're saying they play this game well. The other thing I said is he caught me off guard. Caught me off guard. If somebody catches you off guard... They are taking you by surprise. So Max here, you know, he kind of unarmed me. He said, hey, you know, take it easy on me. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, take it easy. I play a little. And then he got in there, made some power moves, and before I knew it, he won. So when you see somebody... They're good at a sport. They're good at whatever it is that they do. You want to say they play a good game. They play a good game. You gone bowling? Somebody did really well? He bowls a good game. Plays a good game. If they've done well playing a game. And somebody catches you off guard. If somebody catches you by surprise. If they do something that you were not anticipating. Well, anyway, we'll get into this chat that I had with Max today. Uh, keep an ear open. Here's my suggestion. Take some of the uh, pronunciation type lessons that we've looked at in previous classes and listen for those sounds while I'm talking with my buddy Max here today. He and I have a similar accent. If you listen, you'll notice there are some differences. I'm Canadian. He's American. We have differences in our accent. However, if you listen closely for some specific sounds, maybe the true T sound, the TH sound, 
or the NG combination. You will enhance your own use of these things as well. So, give it a listen. Let's see what we've got here today. So today I've got here my buddy Max. Wait, what's your last name again? I remembered that you have, like, a Latino last name, but then it's always so, you know, it must surprise people now and then. Oh, most definitely. It, I've only gotten it once where I was on a hike, and someone was like, oh, no, he looks like he could be from here. But yeah. any other instance, no, they're always like, why does a, a whitey have <laughs> such a Mexican name? It's Huero. Exactly. Yeah. I guess that, but you get that more often, though, probably, right? Like, Huero? Oh, oh, 100%. Gringo, Huero. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, it's funny for me, living here in Mexico, I... People tell me I'm not a gringo. Like, I've had people ask me, are you a gringo or are you from somewhere else? And I'm like, I'm from Canada. And they say, ah, you're not a gringo. Really? I don't know what the rules are on gringos. I don't know who's a gringo and who's not. You know, I've heard different instances, but one story that I kind of believe is uh, when the United States and Mexico were at war, mm -hmm. the U.S. soldiers wore green army clothes. Okay. And okay. so it's literally just an English term, green go or like leave green and that type of instance and i think that's where it came from but even wow. then i don't i don't think that's what people are saying when they when they refer to it as just a whitey you know yeah because well, i have heard before in um in i was in the dominican republic and some kids were like running behind this truck and they were yelling gringo go gringo go and at the time i was like oh yeah and we actually threw some candy at them that was but like I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do in that situation. Just give him candy. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, tell me about yourself a bit, man. Like, so where are you from exactly? So I am from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, people will point that out from my Midwestern accent, yeah. the <laughs> the ah in Wisconsin. But ah, yeah, uh, short O. Yeah, exactly. That's about I don't know for people who aren't familiar with it. It's about an hour north of Chicago. So I kind of grew up living around that area. But then because of my family, we traveled a lot. So a lot of my uh, school vacations and even when I became homeschooled was, you know, living in different countries. So I've been actually every country in Central America. So Really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. Like how many years have you spent traveling around these countries? Oof. Well, it, so a lot of them were for like small vacations. Well, extended vacations, people would call them. So maybe like a month, month and a half. Mm -hmm. um, but then I lived in Honduras for about four years. And then we came here to Monterey, Mexico. And I think it was three years in January. So it's been really nice, though. It, it's cool because, you know, even, you know, a lot of people may just assume that Latin America, you know, they're all very similar. Mm -hmm. um, but even like cuisine and even accents and like when they speak Spanish is completely different. And so mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to experience all those different types of cultures and, you know, just get to see the way people live in different areas, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For yourself, have you picked up a particular accent in Spanish? You know, that's quite interesting um, because when I was in Honduras, a lot of people said that when Mexicans speak, it's like they're singing. Mm -hmm. And I never heard it until I got here and I heard it from the south. Then I'm like, okay, I can kind of hear what they're talking about. Um, but like my Spanish accent, it's a, it's a mix between all of them since I kind of grew mm -hmm. up in different areas. But then I also got that hint of, of huero, of gringo when I speak as well. So, Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, let's hear it. Que si, que si quieres hablar, solo me, me interesa escuchar como hablas. Okay, bueno, todo depende en qué quieres escuchar, pero 
Sí, así es. Entonces es un poquito diferente de como alguien de aquí que es regio o, o alguien en Honduras se llaman catrachos. Mm. Um, pero, pero sí, entonces es un, un poquito de variedad de todo. Pero también ah. como aprendí a hablar español en escuela en los estados por mm -hmm. como seis años en elementary school. Entonces, oh, okay. tengo un poquito de acento de allá también, entonces, todo es un, un mixto. Es como los estados, it's a, it's a melting pot in the States. Yeah, yeah. My, my Spanish is just a melting pot of different accents. No, it's, that's good, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, that's super fluid. It's like, at first, you know, you were like, okay, you know, you had to switch on the Spanish, and then it just started flowing as, just as naturally as your English, honestly. I'd say you're probably better than me in Spanish. That was good. Ah, thanks. It's it's a it's a very interesting process because like when, uh, so like when I visited every other country besides Honduras, we normally spoke English. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I got to Honduras and then we ended up living there for four years because we were in a really small town about like you know four thousand to ten thousand people, so super tiny. Um, not a single red light. <laughs> like there was oh, only stop really? signs. Yeah. Speed bumps. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh they didn't even need to be oh, bugs. The roads were so bad. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, there's like three paved roads in the entire <laughs> town. Um, but it, I didn't recognize the fact that I actually spoke Spanish because immersion, at least in my opinion, is something that I feel like is necessary. Because mm -hmm. when I was going to school in the States, like, you know, my science class was in Spanish, so I'd have to, like, raise my hand if I wanted to, you know, give an answer. I'd have to say it in Spanish. But it took me minutes to form my answer. So I was like, I don't know Spanish. I don't know anything. Right. But then when I got there and then I was immersed and then like I was meeting people who, who couldn't, you know, throw me a bone and speak English. Like it was like, okay, you know, now it's time to learn. Mm -hmm. And from there I realized I actually had a pretty steady base, mm -hmm. but I didn't recognize that until I actually went out and experienced it. Wow. No, that's exactly. That's it is you got to dive in with both feet. You know, it, it's like, you you can't just tiptoe around it. My first time coming to Mexico here, yeah, it, it was similar. I like I said, I didn't really know any Spanish before I came. I knew a couple of bad words, and that was about it. And uh, and you can't make friends with that. So I had to start asking, "Cómo se dice?" And I'd have to ask that for it. Like that was probably my first one of my first real phrases in Spanish. "Cómo se dice?" And then it was just everything to build. Just how do you say? How do you say? And just building vocabulary. So, yeah, yeah. No, I completely understand that. So, like, when you were, when you first got here, did you, like, take any classes or did you, um, I don't know, like, did you have friends that helped you out or how, how do you feel yeah. like you got a good grasp of it? I was with this volunteer program in Guadalupe, well, like, you know, on the other side of the city there. And it was nice. Like, there was, um, there was one of the directors for the volunteers. She was totally fluent in English and Spanish, and so she was a big help. She gave me a lot of foundation just to get the ball rolling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was it. Like, just she taught me the basic pronouns, like, okay, what verbs do you absolutely need? How do you conjugate them? Like, she was a pretty tough teacher, too. She'd give me homework and, lot, like, 20 words a day of vocabulary. But then... It's one thing, like, to look at the words, but then, you know, it, suppose that, as you said, when you're studying in the States, if you only look at the words when you're in Spanish class, and then you step out of that class, you're going right back to the English world. But then here, yeah, it's like I look at the words, and then I had to use them immediately. Like, there's no way around it. It's like, use it or lose it. 
and you don't want to lose it because then you can't make any friends. You can't talk to people. So, yeah, so. yeah, it gets tricky. And you know, something I'll notice is because like there's a lot of networking between like English speaking people here. So you know, you have a pretty decent amount of friends, but then you end up catching yourself. And realizing, like, if you're only hanging out with those English-speaking friends, the only time you use Spanish is when, you know, you go to the grocery store, you ask for something, or, like, you're at a restaurant and you order food. Mm -hmm. And then you tend to lose it because, like, you're instantly back into that. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, it's kind of tricky. you got to find, like, a decent balance between, you know, feeling comfortable but still, like, want to have that desire to, you know, continue learning. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, like you say, like immersing your house in it is a huge thing. Like when I moved here this time, I moved here with Estefania's whole family. And okay, like her mom's really good at English, but we would speak, we speak more like a Spanglish. Like it's always mixed. We just, we don't even know when we're going back and forth. It just happens. With Estefania, I speak like 99% English. Um, and they, but then with her dad, it was 100% Spanish. And so, like, when her dad was around, you know, her father, I wasn't going to speak in English in front of him when, like, he can't understand me. So that would force me to speak in Spanish. But, yeah, so he would just sometimes sit there, you know, talking on and on in Spanish. I wouldn't be able to follow much of what he was saying in the first place. But being forced to have somebody speak to you in a language that you vaguely understand it it starts opening up more and more things. You start to recognize new sounds, new words, um, new slang, stuff like that. Most definitely, and like uh, like right now, I told you like I'm temporarily you know teaching English, um, mm-hmm. and a uh, a big amount of my students are Japanese. This one man, he's so interesting. He's this journalist, and he's uh, traveled to South Africa. He covered like the Hutu and the Tutsi like massacre really? in like the nineties, and like. He did the, the Haiti uh, earthquake in, like, 2010. But he told me when he was little and he was learning English, he, he like, there would be this this person. I think he, he said he met, like, a missionary. And, like, they would talk back and forth. But then he realized when the missionary and this other missionary were, like, talking about explaining a card game, he didn't understand a single word. So he mm-hmm. felt confident enough to speak English. But then when he realized when two natives talk how different it is, oh, yeah. he's like, I don't know English. <laughs> Yeah, it's really discouraging. Like, have you felt that kind of thing for yourself? Like, you know, you're real confident in your Spanish, you're feeling like a boss, and then you step into a situation where there's two, three, like a group of people talking, and it just, everything goes right over your head. Have you ever had? That That by far is the hardest. Like, even for me now, I have two things that I struggle with. Uh, conjugating verbs, because I'll end up making up words. Oh, I'll be yeah. like, oh, you know, that's, that sounds right, but that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then group settings. You know, I'll be like at like a wedding, and then there's like eight Spanish speakers, and they're like, you know, they're going back and forth, and I'm just like, got to follow along with this one, then I got to go over here, and then, you know, they're already three steps ahead of me. It's like they're playing chess, and I'm playing checkers. Like, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, but mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean... And that's a little difficult because I feel like, you know, normally the answer would be like, oh, you know, with time you get that. And most definitely, like if you're doing something like that every weekend, like it, it became much easier. Mm-hmm. You know, like there'd be times like I'd be going to like two, three different, you know, Spanish gatherings every every weekend. And it, and it did get easier. But then when you're stuck at home for like a month or something, mm-hmm. then like it's when you go to another one, it's just like I completely I, I got to start over. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And then you can throw in the mix of, as you mentioned, like different accents from around the Spanish-speaking world, which Spanish being – it's the second largest spoken language in the world now. I don't know if you knew that, but like first it's Mandarin Chinese, then Spanish, then English. And it does make sense because look at the vast – like Latin America is enormous – so many people think of Latin America as like, ah, oh, it's, you know, Mexico, Colombia, Cuba. But no, there's like, I don't know how many, what, 30-something countries within these places? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, I, could, I could Google it. But like, oh, the ones in Central America, I think, are about 10 itself. Yeah? Yeah, and that's not including islands and stuff. So, yeah, and then you have mm-hmm. like, you know, because like, if you go between most of this continent, you know, North and South America, like besides like indigenous language, it's it's English and Spanish, and then although Brazil is huge and has Portuguese, like mm-hmm. majority is just like even I had a friend that went to Brazil, um, and he's from here. He works in uh, Surfactants, and uh, when he went over there for like some training or something, he was like, "Yeah, they all spoke like English and Spanish." Really? Eh? Yeah, so, what? Yeah, probably because he went to like the touristy areas. You know, if you oh, go yeah. to the towns, it might be a little different, but yeah, I mean Spanish. It's still a huge language, and then like even it's in Europe too, you know. And yeah. so, yeah, it's it's definitely like I, I always recommend learning English, especially because English is like the business language, mm-hmm. you know. And like even like like as as we've talked about, like I'm really into like tech, and I'm in school for like software, and so like and all of those languages to program are in English, like mm-hmm. if or while, like those small statements, like. It's so much easier to comprehend what it really means if you speak that language, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, but, I mean, Spanish is its crazy how many people speak Spanish. Absolutely. Well, yeah, see, uh, this is the world that we live in. And so I was mentioning before as well, like, that you can often benefit other people as well when you're learning a language. Like, I've told a story on a previous podcast where... Well, at my old job in Toronto, I used to work as, like, loss prevention. I would catch people stealing things. I'd be just dressed in, like, regular clothes. I'd catch people stealing things, and then I'd bring them on in and call the cops. And I made an entire arrest in Spanish at one point. And, I mean, he wasn't very thankful for it. But, <laughs> but you know, I got to uh, – so we saw a little justice. Um, unfortunately, he was, like, 90 years old, so it didn't look good on me. But uh, but he looked really good for a ninety year old man. So you know he was in great shape. <laughs> so good for him. Uh, I mean, good enough shape to be stealing. That. Exactly. You know, it, that's it. Uh, so I'm curious, though. You know, have you had any experiences, whether it's uh, arresting someone or something like that, but where your Spanish, you know, kind of impacted someone else, or where you were able to use your Spanish to uh, to help somebody else? I've uh, never been in the position to arrest someone. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, there's been instances where, you know, they'll, they'll look at, like, me because, like, I'm, I look completely white even though, like, I'm half Mexican. And then they'll see me speaking Spanish. And then they'll know that, like, I didn't originally grow up speaking Spanish. And they're like, okay, you know, this is something I can do. You know, people that have come to visit me from back home. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, you know, I could totally, you know, move move up here or down here, I should say. Because it really is a fantastic place to live. But then, you know, as well as, like... You come across foreigners that are just visiting, you know, tourists, and then, like, they need help. And, like, they may ask me a question, and I don't know necessarily where that location is or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I can ask. You know, I have, like, that ability to be able to ask someone who's 
was from that city. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, you know, learning languages is just such a useful tool. Yeah. Like, and you and you end up noticing how much more opportunities arise when you actually, like, already know a language. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and, like, you know, because those opportunities will come and be like, hey, we're looking for someone who speaks Spanish. And be like, oh, I don't speak Spanish. But then if you do, or English, you know, because English is a much more in-demand language, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's helped me out when it comes to, like, work. Because, like, uh, in the States, I did uh, construction. So I oh, was yeah. a, a manual laborer for a friend who did masonry. And, like, there was instances where, like, I, um, you know, maybe workers or, you know, people who own the house who only spoke Spanish and we were doing work on it. Like, it just, it's such a useful tool, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, and, like, even, like, there's a... I mean, considering that Monterey is such a university type yeah. of city, you know, it's there's got like three, four universities here. Yeah, it's it's like international. Exactly, ones, all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, and like we'll run into like a bunch of people. We'll run into people from France, from Germany, from the Netherlands. You know, other parts of like uh, other parts of Europe. I, I met a couple people from like Japan, uh, and it's it's crazy. And but like everybody knows English, or at least enough English to get by. You yeah. know, so it's yeah. it's just so cool because you're able to experience so much more by yeah. learning another languages, another language. Sorry, than like if you just didn't, you know. Totally, no, to push yourself in it. It's it's a human experience, you know, learning a language. In that it's like you have to put yourself in the shoes of a baby again. You have to be willing to speak like a baby again, and that's the really hard thing I think for people to get their head around. Is like, okay, when you're a kid, it's easy to learn a language, honestly. Like, kids, they hear you talk, they pick up what you say, they've got no problem. They just listen and repeat, listen and repeat. And that's the hard thing for adults to start doing as well, is what I find. But, uh, hey, through a lot of consistent practice, you know, courses that people can take, uh, we're totally capable of you know, achieving so many great things in that respect at any age. But I did hear that you were uh, planning on uh, starting a course or something like that. Yes, indeed. Uh, Video courses are in the makes. I've got these courses coming. What I'd like to do is, well, you see, I got a full schedule with students. I've got, at the moment, like 40 students in a week, and they're taking up all my time. And I don't mind, you know, I work with good folk. But at the same time, uh, I'd like to help a lot more people. And so I am working to put out a video course so that we can get more in-depth with this accent kind of stuff. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah, you know, I honestly, like, as I said, like, when I was learning Spanish, I didn't recognize that I was really learning anything mm. until I was immersed into it. But, like... It'd be nice to be able to look back at like those at my classes years ago and mm-hmm. to be like, oh man, like I did learn this, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like not not necessarily your videos. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy his videos. He's a really good teacher. But videos in general is just such a useful tool. And like, oh yeah, it's just yeah. At least in my opinion, like I feel like it's a it's a great tool in order to begin to learn or you know to continue to practice because. You know, there's always specific things that each people have, like their own needs when it comes to it. And so when you're able to find that need, it's so much easier to practice it. 
And so, yeah, and I noticed that with, like, classes, you're able to notice, like, oh, like, I feel like I have a pretty good um, in-depth knowledge about how to do the RL sound, um, but when it comes to, like, the, the, I don't know, the DR sound, like, I need a lot of work on that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's something that's definitely useful. Oh, yeah, I fully agree with you there. Um, no, it's, like... The little things about pronunciation in general are tough because you don't consider them when you're learning a language often. Like pronunciation, it's great to learn. You don't think about it. It's not grammar. It's not, you know, all these other things. But it does have a significant difference on how people view you as a speaker of a language. Like, and that's it. You know, when you want to show off to other people, when you want to stand out in a positive way, uh, that's what pronunciation is all about. So, no, yeah, like you say, be, like you want to look back and you want to be able to see everything that you've learned. Video courses are the way to do it, most definitely. Hey, uh, it's something that, like, and if you don't have a specific teacher, you end up putting so much more work than is necessary. Like, um, I had this student on Wednesday, and I can't remember what word we were trying to pronounce, but there was a W in the middle of two vowels. But the way that the vowels were situated, the W just kind of came out naturally if you didn't focus on it. Mm -hmm. um, but he kept on really trying to emphasize that W when he didn't have to. But when I was like, just forget the W's there, just try and pronounce that, the W just came out so naturally, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's stuff that, like that that you won't even notice that like, oh man, I'm putting way too much work into this when it's actually not too difficult. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, it's all about, like, yeah, it, what I notice a lot is people will often be overthinking things with their accent. Like you say, like, when you're thinking real hard about making a W, you can't make one. But then, uh, but then, yeah, like, sometimes other letters will have the exact same kind of movement, and then you see you can make the movement, it's just, you know, you've got to make the connection of your muscles and your brain to put it all together, so. Anyway, well, we'll get uh, get to wrapping things up for today. Thanks for coming on. This is episode number 40, and uh, you're actually you're my first American guest I've had on, and do you have any final things, any last advice you'd like to give these... Uh, all my fine listeners here. Like if you record uh, a word that you pronounce before you learn how to properly do it, but then after a couple weeks, you know, you record yourself again and you notice that difference, you'll be so proud of the work that you actually made. But if you never recorded that, you're just like, I'm not learning anything. That's true. That's true. Recording your progress is huge. Like I've done that. I remember I used to have a like a fitness trainer at a gym I was going to who said the same thing like I oh, just start writing it down like take notes and they gave me a little notepad to take notes with and it keeps you motivated it keeps you moving forward because you can easily look and see oh here's what I've accomplished you know it's it doesn't feel like nothing like a lot of people keep a record of themselves based on how others around them are doing you know like they'll say oh well this person's doing a better job than i am so there's no way i'm gonna get that good but no that's not the case you can do way better than they are if you focus on you don't focus on them so that's uh very good advice i appreciate that what we've been able to talk about even though you know it's just been fun being able to talk back and forth but i feel like there's still some knowledge in there that uh, your listeners can hopefully apply in their lives. Yep. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, 
Well, thank you for your time today, sir. Yeah, we'll be hearing from you again sometime.